0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, is anybody happy to be in church on a Wednesday? Is anybody glad that it didn't rain on your commute to church on a Wednesday? I know traffic was already bad, but if it was pouring down rain, can you imagine for those of you that drive and, and I see you in the house from way, way north every Wednesday night. Really, I, I know we say how honored we are that you come to church and you fight traffic, but there are there's people that I know sitting in this audience that are here every single Wednesday night from Cedar Park, Leander, Round Rock, Georgetown. Hey, that's amazing. Your commitment to the house of God and we don't take it lightly. Wherever you're from, thank you for showing up to church. Um, if you are new around here, we don't ask a whole lot. In fact, in this moment right here, this is, this is a moment for, for all of us that call Christian Life Austin home. We like to take this moment in our service and do what we do every week. And that is have a moment to be generous. And beyond being generous... We like to sow into the kingdom of God and allow what God has done in our life to bless somebody else. In fact, that is, that is my prayer every time that I, I stand up here and we, we take this, this offering every week. But it's always my prayer that God would attach a name, a soul to what we're sowing into his kingdom so that their life can be changed the way that all of our lives has, have been impacted by his grace and by his message and what it is that he's done for us at the cross. So why don't you take your gift right now and let me pray over us before we go any further this evening. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. The opportunity that we have to, to stand here and, and worship you as we have this evening and now in this moment to sow into your kingdom. And Lord, we're excited about the life change that's going to take place because of the sacrifice of this moment. And everybody said amen. 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 Hey, if you're, if you're new around here, now this next part is for you. You'll notice in the seat back in front of you is the connection cards. You can take that out, fill it out as completely as possible. And at the end of our time together tonight, outside on the patio, we've got some amazing Dream Teamers who, who stand in the cold... They're like the postal service, it don't matter if it's snowing, if it's raining, they're going to be there for you and they've got a gift waiting on you that will be well worth the time that it takes you to fill out that connection card. And everyone that's in the house, while many people are filling out that connection card, can you do me a favor and give it up for our online family that's tuning in tonight, wherever you are, we love you. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing here at Christian Life Austin. And some of you are wondering, you're not Pastor Johnson. You're right. Uh, today is Pastor Johnson and Patty's 38th wedding anniversary, y'all. Come on, that's amazing. So, so we kicked them out of town for a couple of days. And if you know our pastors, that that is really tough. Pastor Johnson likes to come. He likes to be in the office. It doesn't matter what day. He's generally here. So to kick him out of the office and say, you can't come in. Y'all just go enjoy life together. Go eat some good food. Be together. He will be back in the pulpit on Sunday. But for tonight, we're going to dive into the fifth secret that Solomon would want to share with us. And I'm just going to tell you from the get-go. Buckle up. And it's not the words that I'm speaking that are going to be so poignant, but you're going to be blown away by the clarity of the Word of God tonight. I have a feeling there's going to be some scriptures in here that perhaps you haven't read in a long time. And and, and these are going to to strike home. And let me tell you, before we... We jump into this. this is, these scriptures and this, this message tonight is not to, to bring condemnation. Please understand me and be, be very, be ve- let me be very clear with you. This is to lift us up and to help us grow and to be better. And so if we were going to put a title on tonight's message, we might call it something like this. You never have to explain what you don't say. You never have to explain what you don't say. Proverbs chapter 13, also if you're, I know a lot of you like to take notes or snap pictures. Tonight might be a better night to snap pictures because there's going to be 4 billion slides. I'm not going to preach that long. We're just going to move quickly through them. Don't worry. So snap pictures. If you, if you want to get pictures of the scriptures, they'll be up on the screens, but you'll have to, to do it pretty quickly. Proverbs 3, 13 and 3 says it this way, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life, but the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin just right off the bat, the word of God just it gets us, doesn't it? I mean, it is so clear. Anybody have any clue what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about this little bad boy right here in your mouth. We're talking about the tongue. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lies, all lies. That is so not true. If you have told that to your children, we're going to pray for you. (laughs) Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words really do hurt. Words hurt long after a bone is mended, right? We still feel the sting of thoughtless or careless words, a cruel nickname perhaps that was put on you as a child. A comment about your appearance um, that you heard somebody say over you as a teenager. Perhaps a less than complimentary evaluation by an employer. But, But the uniqueness of words spoken to you is that it's not only the words that are spoken to you that can harm you. But words that you speak... Don't just harm the person that you're speaking to, but they harm you. And they have the ability to destroy us and to tear us down. The Bible is filled with warnings about the destructive power of words both on the speaker and the listener. Watch what James chapter 3 would say. So also the tongue is a small part of the body. Yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest fire is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed, this is powerful, and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is as restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of. Of God, I told you, scripture's coming right at you tonight. (laughs) Just a few careless words from that four ounce mass in our mouth called a tongue (laughs) has the ability to destroy the reputation of a person, the rhythm of a friendship or a marriage, the morale of a company, or the spirit of an entire congregation. And while we're at it, don't fall into the trap because we just read this passage of Scripture that, that once you think you finally get a, get a hold on this and you tame it one time, don't think you've tamed it once and for all. Because it's going to be there next time somebody makes you mad. James says that one minute we'll be praising and worshiping God and the next we'll be destroying relationships. With our words. And so since we'll never really be able to fully control it, because the Bible's very clear on that. I think we have to at least become very intentional about the words that come out of our mouth. And I know intentionality is a big word that gets used a lot in this day and age. But it's so true that if you are not intentional about the words that you speak. That you will get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Much quicker than you've ever imagined. And Solomon, even Solomon knew how massive this issue was to the extent... Watch this. There are 150 proverbs devoted to this subject alone. And I'm going to read all 150. Here we go. No, I'm just kidding. Let me read a few. Proverbs 5, 1 through 2 says this. My son, give attention to my wisdom Incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. Proverbs 10 and 14. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Proverbs 18 and 7. I'm not calling you a fool. This is the Bible. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips. Isn't this beautiful writing? His lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. Well, it's my nature just to say what's on my mind and say what's on my... Well, we need to start working on that tonight. So Solomon throughout the book of Proverbs kind of lays out a plan, and, and he points out really four types of speech that he wants to, wants for you and I to avoid if we want to uh, we see the life that God has designed for us, and if we want to live it out. He says, listen, there's four types of speech that you've got to be aware of that you need to stay away from, and we're going to dive into those for just a few moments tonight. And the first one is this, it's, this is pretty easy, false. Not false teeth, false speech. (laughs) Have you ever thought about how infatuated our society is with lists? Like on my phone right now, I've got 7,000 lists. Of things I have to do, like checklist. In fact, I've got have got like four apps that are like list apps. You know what I'm saying? Like I gotta go to the grocery store and do this, and then on Monday I gotta do this for the church, and then the, the sports schedule. I got all these that I can't even keep up with it. We're infatuated with lists. Like for instance, the the ten best dressed men and women in America list. Like this intrigues us. Six money moves that that guarantee wealth. Yeah, let me check this out. The 100 most influential people in the world. Four easy steps to a better you. Maybe there's, there's something to this or, or there's something that just stirs up our curiosity when it comes to list. And perhaps it's, it's even why Solomon came up with his own list in Proverbs chapter 6. Watch what he says. There's six things which the Lord Hates. Yes, he, he thought about it for a second. He, Yay, even seven. So there's not just six, there's seven, which are an abomination to him. What are they? Verse 17 says haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that de- devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Two of the seven deal with the words that we speak, y'all. We're we're talking about the things that our God doesn't just kind of dislike. It says you might want to stay away from these. These are things that our God hates. Why? Because this is the very antithesis of God's nature. James says, God is the father of lights with whom there is no variation or, or shifting shadow. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But contrast that with Satan. Watch what John eight forty four 44 would say. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, it's a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan's first words in the Bible were a bold-faced lie, and he hasn't stopped since so let me just stop for a moment and tell you that if you have been listening to anything other than the voice of God in your life if you've allowed the enemy to creep up on your shoulder and begin to tell you that you're not good enough that you don't have what it takes to make it can i tell you that it's a lie from the father of lies listen to what solomon said proverbs 4 and 24 Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. A worthless person. This is strong language. A wicked man is one who walks with a perverse mouth. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Proverbs 21 and 6, the acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue, is a fleeting vapor. It's the pursuit of death. Wow. False speech is something that you and I must avoid if we're going to live the life that God had in mind for us. We've got to speak truth. We've got to speak the right things in our world. And so the second thing that I I want to share with you tonight, the second truth that I think we need to understand about our speech and and really what we need to avoid as Solomon would lay out would be divisive speech. Divisive speech, Proverbs chapter 16, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Proverbs 20 and 19 He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not, do not associate with a gossip. The Greek word for gossip is pathios. And it simply means whisper. Gossip, gossip involves secret conversation that usually starts with something like this. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but... <laughs> I, I, I promise you won't quote me on this, but... See, gossip only feels comfortable when we're working undercover. So if you have moments in conversation where you, you feel yourself like, let me come over here, we don't that's probably a moment when you're working undercover and you're probably saying something that shouldn't be coming out of our mouths. And Solomon, Solomon would point out two major flaws with gossiping, and I want to share them with you. I'll move through them quickly for the sake of time. But number one is that gossip robs you of valuable time. I know people, and you know people, we all know people, maybe you are that people, <laughs> who spend more time... Talking about other people, and they like, you're like, what do you even do? Like, I see you on social media just blasting the entire world right now. Aren't you supposed to be working? Like, you're getting paid right now. (laughs) Gossip takes time away from like real important things that you could be doing. And I know this is an extreme, but. But while we're busy talking trash about people, there's people that are far from God who don't know him. The time that you take to send the email or that text or that call or that whisper is a bad investment of time. You can't get your time back. The second thing uh, that Solomon would point out about gossip is that gossip usually backfires on the gossip. It it doesn't profit you to gossip. Even if you're trustworthy, you've got to realize that the gossip who is sharing information with you will also share information about you. (laughs) If they're telling something on you, about somebody else they're gonna go spread all of your business if something if y'all don't click if you make them mad you can't trust a gossip proverbs this is fun tonight come on i just aren't you just wow aren't you just leaning (laughs) proverbs 11 and 13 i told you the word of god will point out some of our flaws won't it Proverbs 11 and 13, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Proverbs 20 and 19, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with the gossip. James 4, 11 through 12, do not speak, let's get this, against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and the judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Wow. Hey, sometimes, listen. And I hope, I hope that you're receiving this word tonight. It's amazing to read the word of God and to leave super encouraged sometimes, and I need that. But it's also okay to walk through the word of God and allow it to file away some of our impurities, right? To allow it to work on us, because if we're not growing, then we're not really living. So the third thing that I think Solomon w- would have us avoid, the third type of speech would be this premature speech talking without thinking Solomon understands the danger of speaking too quickly or making judgments too quickly and he advised that that if you are the one trying to persuade others to your point of view allow everyone else to argue their case before you speak just listen like we have two ears and one mouth for a reason Has your spouse ever told you that? <laughs> why, why, why is that the reason, though? Why, why, do, why do we need to let everyone else speak before we plead our case or before we speak? And I don't pretend to know much about law, but I do know this because I've seen Matlock before. Every lawyer knows that it's the final speaker, not the first speaker who has the advantage. Proverbs 18 and 17 would say this, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Proverbs 25 and 8, do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor (laughs) humiliates you? If you are the one making the judgment, be sure you have all the facts before you make an opinion, before you go out and speak your mind and have that conversation. You need to know both ends of the story. You need to know all scenarios that could be played out with what you're about to go hammer somebody with. I've learned the hard way that most of the time, there's another side to every story. Yes. Proverbs 18 and 13. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. William Penn said this about rash words, and I didn't put it on the screen because I had 400 other slides. Silence is wisdom where speaking is folly. Some are so foolish as to interpret and anticipate those that speak instead of hearing and thinking before they answer which is uncivil as well as silly. This is this is powerful. If thou thinkest twice before thou speakest once thou will speak twice the better for it. And that's so true. That's so good. If thou speakest twice before If you thinketh twice before you speaketh once, you will speak twice the better for it. And the fourth type of speech that Solomon would have us to avoid when we're talking to our families, when we're leading a business meeting on Monday morning, when we walk into church and we're we're leading our teams that that we serve on, when we're having communications with our our spouses, would be unnecessary, unnecessary speech. Did you know that the average person speaks between 10,000 and 20,000 words per day? That is enough words to fill a small book. Yet, watch this, yet the average person does not read a single book in an entire year. What a disparity between the output and our input. And it can lead to empty And harmful words. That's why it's so important to stay in your word. To have things that are going through your mind that are pure and wholesome. Because what's in here is coming out. And that's whether it's good or whether it's bad. Whether you've been reading your word or you've been watching YouTube all day, something's coming out. How you deal with people. How you handle your spouse and your children. When we think of Abraham Lincoln, we think of a a master communicator who could galvanize a nation with moving words. Words, perhaps, that were even spoken at, at Gettysburg. Yet, Lincoln understood the importance of silence. Just being real quiet. His strategy for the election of 1860 was to remain silent because Lincoln reasoned that the less he spoke, the less likely he was to alienate people. He continued to observe this principle while he was in office. Lincoln stated this, In my present position, it is hardly proper for me to make speeches. Every word is so closely noted that it will not do to make trivial ones. Solomon also understood the wisdom of silence. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, would say it this way When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Wow. In our culture, I don't know if this is, seems to be true for you, but in Within people that I know in my sphere of influence, I feel like I see this quite often. That we tend to equate verbal skills with intelligent, right? Like if if I can if I can talk my way around a subject, then it's going to prove to everybody that I'm just I'm smarter than everybody, right? That, that I just I can I can flow through this. I can talk about any subject that there is. But Solomon would say that the opposite is true. He says the truly Wise person is the one who has learned to keep his thoughts to himself. Keep your thoughts to yourselves. Proverbs 11 and 12. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. I love this old nursery rhyme. Perhaps you've heard it. It says... A wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he sat, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we be all like that old wise bird? No, and let's, let's talk about that too for a second in a spiritual context. I think so often in the world that we live in today, if we're not careful, we will allow the the loudness and the voices that are around us to not hear properly the word of God and what he would speak into our world. We've got, listen, we've got media hitting us from every single angle. We've got, when we get in the car, we've got the radio on. You're listening to politics as you're driving to work. When you get home, the news is on. Whatever it is, and It's amazing what happens when you just get real quiet and you say, Lord, I need to hear from you. See, we want to hear from God so often, but we can't turn all the the stuff off in our world. We don't take the time to do that. I'm telling you, I have gotten more revelation and clarity in my world just sitting still. God, not my will, but Your will. Speak to me. When's the last time that you just you just sat and listened? I'm not talking about making it weird. You're just sitting in a room like, what is happening? No. <laughs> Where it wasn't all of your needs. God, I need this. I need this. God, help me. Help me with the bills. Help me with my kids. Help me. to. But God, what, what do you want to download into my spirit? God, you talk to me. God, I'm, I'm going to stop. It's not about me speaking in this moment. Because you can, he can give you so much clarity in one moment. If you will sit still. And allow him to speak instead of interrupting him. But God, I mean, I don't know, God. (laughs) I don't know if that's such a good plan. Shh. Be still in his presence. And it may not be the audible voice of God that you hear, but what you will hear clearer than anything. This is the way it works for me. is God will just drop stuff in my heart. And in my spirit, and in that moment, I know without question. This is not a brad idea. This is not a brad thought. This is not brad direction that I need for my life. But God speaks, and he speaks all the time. If you'll take the time to listen. Some folks believe that if you find yourself, maybe, maybe you know people like this, that you find yourself in a bind that, That clever words will allow you to talk yourself out of a problem. You know, people like that, they just try to talk themselves out of situations. But more often than not, listen, you'll talk yourself into a problem. You start talking and you stay still. I didn't even, where did that come from? And now you're trying to dig yourself out of a bigger hole. Proverbs 13 and 3 says this The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. We've read this, the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Author Will Durant says this, nothing is often a good thing to do. And almost always a clever thing to say. And so, we've learned about the types of speech to avoid. And I want to share with you some practical sides to this. So, what does this look like moving into a Monday, moving into Um, your workspace, moving into your family life, what are some practical things that we can do to start to tame our tongue? To start to get get the reins and pull the reins back on this thing that can be so evil if we're not careful. And I want to share with you just several tongue tamers is what we're going to call them tonight because I couldn't come up with something better. And the first thing is this. Refrain from any unnecessary words. When you're you're in a conversation, when you have to have a difficult conversation, a moment of conflict, at home or in the office, refrain from any unnecessary words. Remember, you you never have to explain what you don't say. Remember what the Word of God says when it says that there are, are many words and transgression is unavoidable. Cut out unnecessary words. We we say so much, and it gets us into trouble if we're not careful. The second thing is this. Refuse to criticize anyone until you have talked with him or her personally. It's easy to hear something about someone and then continue that. One of Stephen Covey's habits of highly effective people is this. Seek first to understand, and then... To be understood. Try to understand what's going on in the, the scenario around you. And there, this, is, this is a powerful element. And I want to I dive into this just for a moment. The idea of, of correction versus criticism. And there, there, there's a vast difference between correction and criticism. And the goal of correction. Uh, I want you to lean in for just the next couple of minutes as we wrap this up. But the goal of correction is restoration think about this moms and dads when you're talking to your children think about this ma'am think about this sir when you're leading your company the goal of correction is restoration while the goal of criticism is condemnation a person you can see it right off the bat a person wanting restoration watch how they work they work privately They work when nobody's around. They work not out in public, but the person bent on condemnation will work as publicly as possible. The corrector works with the precision of a surgeon, while the condemner works with the precision of a bomb. How do you handle difficult situations? How do you handle moments of conflict? Moments of disagreement? Is it a public thing for you? If it is, this is a great moment. This is a great wake-up call to check yourself and say, Lord, deal with me. Work with me. Show me how to do this properly. Show me how to handle people properly and deal with difficult, difficult issues in a godly manner. Proverbs 12 and 18 would say this there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing what is your conversation when you have to when you have to have it with a coworker or somebody that works for you do your words does that correction is it like the thrusts of a sword or are your words bringing healing in that situation think about it the wisest man in the Old Testament and the wisest man in the New Testament both said the same things about offenses and, and the need for correction. Solomon and Jesus would both advise that we, as much as possible, and listen, I get that there's some scenarios where it's not possible. But as much as possible, overlook personal offenses. Thank you. But there are times... When we have to lovingly correct another person. The key is lovingly, right? Matthew 18, Jesus outlines steps for correction. And I'm not going to dive into those tonight, but you can read those on your own if you want to, to study it a little bit further. But the bottom line of what he would say is to deal privately as possible with the person who has done you wrong. That's the the gist of what he would say. And so ask yourself, have I talked to the person yet? If not, keep it quiet. If not, don't don't open your mouth. And for that matter, before you, you listen to somebody gossiping or slandering, ask them, have you talked to the offender yet? Before you come talk to me about it, have you talked to them about it? Because I have a feeling oftentimes, in a lot of cases, not every case, that a conversation with that person, and it can stop right there. The third practical thing that I want you to be able to walk into Monday with is this. Remove all lies, exaggerations, and distortions from your speech. Y'all, this is so true. Like, I have heard, I have heard one side of a story, and then I've heard somebody that had heard the story secondhand. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't know. The secondhand person didn't know I knew the real story. You know what I'm saying? And, and they try to tell me what happened. They're like, we were out, and it was crazy. Like, I don't know what they're explaining, but it was like that is not even remotely close to the truth. Like, I know exactly, it happened to me. That's not what happened. But it's like the old game telephone that we used to tell, right? Like, uh, uh, Johnny likes you. You know, and it just goes, uh. and it's so, before it gets to the next person, there's been stuff that has been made up and left out, and it's not even about Johnny anymore. If you don't know it, don't repeat it. If you're making up parts of the story, just be real quiet. The fourth, the fourth practical application to this would be this. Remind yourself. This is, this is what it comes down to, y'all. Remind yourself of the need to purify your heart. To purify your heart. D.L. Moody once said this, If a man developed a camera... That could photograph the innermost thoughts of the heart, he would die of starvation for a lack of business. See, we shudder at the idea of someone knowing our innermost thoughts, yet there is an instrument. Listen, this is so powerful. There is an instrument capable of revealing every secret thought. It's called your tongue. Because what you speak, Reveals what's in here. The way that you talk to people and deal with people reveals what is in your heart, whether you mean for it to or not. It's what happens. Our speech is a simple indicator of what we are thinking and what we desire. Matthew chapter 15 would say this it's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man. But what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. And the fifth and final one is this. Remember that you are accountable to God for your words. We are all accountable to God for our words. Let's go back to the really spiritual stuff. If you've ever seen Matlock... Or you've ever witnessed it in real life, a trial, the witness places their hand on the Bible and swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Then the court reporter records every single word that is spoken. Fastest typers in the world. If you speak the truth, you'll be safe. If you speak lies, You can go to prison for perjury. Do you realize that one day, every single one of us will give an account to the judge of the universe for every word we speak? Wow. But we're so careless sometimes with our words. We will stand before the judge of the universe and give an account for every word that we speak. Jesus warns us about this. Watch Matthew chapter 12. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words... You will be condemned. Wow. Would you stand with me? Solomon teaches us. He's not teaching us things, listen, that will perhaps bring us to an altar and tears will be flowing. but he gives us wisdom because here's what I know about life is that we're on this earth and while we're on this earth we gotta make the most of it and he created each one of us the same it's a level playing field there is no there is one person better no 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 But we treat people differently with the words that we speak. And he will give us principles like like the tongue. Learning how to tame the tongue. And here's why it's so important, y'all. Listen, because it helps you, yeah, in your relationships and all of that, but, but see, there's people, and this is what we miss. There's people that are so far from God that are looking for somebody that has the knowledge of Jesus Christ to treat them in a manner to speak to them in a way that would reveal the love of God to them and you would be amazed what just taming this and starting to get control of your tongue can do People will pick up on it that you don't talk the same way as everybody else. That you choose to walk away when everybody else is talking about that one thing at the office that went down. And I'm telling you, you may be ostracized in the moment. But in the long run, you will be well respected for standing your ground and doing the right thing. And can I tell you, that is what is attractive to a lost and a broken In a dying and a hurting world is someone who will do the right thing in a bow down world we have the power and the ability to see potential that people have but we also it goes further than that we have the ability to pull that out of people with the words that we speak Here's what I know. I don't pretend to to say I get it right all the time because I don't. I probably get it wrong more than I get it right. But I know that words that abuse, words that mislead, words that divide, they do not drift off into outer space. But like boomerangs, they come back around for God's judgment. God's review and so I think it's okay I think it's appropriate I think it's necessary for the children of God to do everything in our power to treat people the way that he treats us by using our tongue to lift them up to speak words of encouragement to speak words of life. So as we close our time out together tonight, here's what I want you to think of. I want you to think in this upcoming week, what is it in your talk? Maybe, maybe you're, you're talking about things that you have no business talking about. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's the fact that you, you tear people down and you're like, man, I need to start lifting people up. I don't know what it is. We all have different things when it comes to our, our tongue that we struggle with. Maybe you speak too quickly. Maybe you interrupt people. As simple as that and don't give them a chance to talk because you're always trying to get your, your word in. But as I pray, I want you to identify what that is and so that this week we can start moving in that direction and living out the secrets that Solomon would unlock for all of us that if we can tame our tongue and we can get a handle on the words that we speak, that it will lead us to a life that God has intended for us to live. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for sharing with us through your word, the power of the tongue, both good and both bad. Lord, your word, it is so sharp. Lord, it pierces right to us. And Lord, in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would convict me Lord, if there's areas in me where my speech can be better, where I can treat people better, treat people the way that you would treat them, with my words, Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to me in this moment. Make it clear to me so that I can walk into my home tonight and speak to my spouse differently, speak to my children differently. I can walk into the office tomorrow and speak to those that I work with in a different manner, a way that would make them look at me and say, what in the world has gotten into you? And whatever that is for all of us across this room right now in this moment, God, I pray you would make it clear to us. And tomorrow, tonight, give us the courage and the faith to do something differently, to live out the principles that we learned about tonight in your word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, everybody said amen. amen. There's power. In your tongue, the words that you speak have power. So here's what I want us to do as we leave. We do this in our staff meetings every single time we get together. If you're with your spouse or somebody you know, why don't you look at them and just tell them one of the things that you just really admire about them. Let's build each other up and encourage each other as we leave tonight. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs)